WHIVLP New Orleans, 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. You can get more information, goodmorningcomrade.com. Uh, you can also listen online, whivfm.org slash listen, whivfm.org slash good hyphen morning hyphen comrade. Today on the show, we have Steve Katniss. Uh Steve is a local union leader uh, in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, how you doing today, Steve? Not too bad. How are you? Doing all right. And I want to talk to Steve because we, we both have a mutual affinity for the... Uh, one true sport of professional wrestling and that little bit of news that popped up that we want to talk about. Um, but yeah, if you want to just uh, say, introduce yourself to our audience and just talk a little bit about yourself uh, real quick and your relationship with uh, wrestling, I guess. Yeah. So, um, so hey, I'm Steve Katniss. I'm the president of uh, SEIU Local 668. We're a labor union that represents a lot of social service and public services workers in Pennsylvania. I used to be a welfare caseworker myself. We've got about 20,000 members. Um, so my day job is being president of the union and do all that entails with that. And my love affair with wrestling goes back, I don't know, before I can remember when I was born. But, they get you when you're a kid, you know? Right? <laughs> they get you it's when you're young. It's nostalgia driven. It's forever nostalgia driven. You're always looking for that little bit of the nostalgia high mixed with like something else when you go back to it. But yeah, like I got memories from when I was like three years old. My dad still like tries to tell me about like times I would try to rush the ring. Like there was a there was a, a an event I tried to rush the ring when I was like three or four years old, uh-huh. and he he had to he had to catch me going in because I was very mad about. What were you so something. mad about? I might actually I might have been like five or six and get my ages mixed up, but I think uh, one of the one of the bad guys, one of the heels, cheated and the referee missed it. Oh. I was young and I, I had seen it on TV so many times <laughs> that like I'd always thought if the referee could just know one time. So I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with this. I was yelling. I was going to go to the ring. He didn't believe me. He turned his head, turned back, and I was gone. So he had to rush and catch me. Security thought he was jumping the fence, but it was because his kid was like halfway over almost on the mat. I think it was – I think the match was um, – Barry – I can't remember. It was Barry Wyndham was wrestling somebody. Amazing. And, and it was at a house show. Like I remember these distinct details. And like I was kicking and screaming and mad because the heel had cheated, but Barry Windham was the good guy. Rick Steiner, who was a good guy too, came out and saved the day later, and they reversed the decision. So, but yeah, so I love it. That's fantastic, man. So you were marked at a very young age, right? like like you were you were like acting on your on your <laughs> on your passion back in the day. What's your earliest memory from wrestling, man? So. I, I remember a very similar situation, even though they, they so they're, they're, I live in New Orleans uh, or the New Orleans area, and they don't really have a whole lot of um, like the big shows don't come here quite as much. And my mm. family wasn't much for the uh, my, like my, my mom and my dad would like never buy tickets for wrestling because it was just sort of like, right. oh, this fake or whatever. And we're just like, no, it's not. But anyway, um the uh the way that they so i would watch it on tv when i could 
And I do remember something. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, seeing a ref get bumped and knocked out and just watching somebody just go to town on the other guy with a chair while this ref is just like lying dead seemingly for like five minutes. <laughs> it was just oh, like, oh, yeah. like, how did this happen? What is going on? And then, you know, the bad guy wins. <laughs> Getting very upset about that. Just it, it, the injustice of it all. No, I mean, it, it's really funny. Like, I, I won't go too deep into it, but, like, I've talked about it before, but, like, how, I guess, some of those things when you're a little kid, it, like, th that development of that moral compass when you're really young between, like, superhero things, like comics, like wrestling, mm -hmm. it all kind of can go kind of together to a certain level, like you said, like, identifying injustice and trying to stop it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I've always kind of discussed it with people, but I think it leads to, like, I don't know. Yeah. And then for me, it also like really hit big when I was like, I was in middle school. I was in like sixth or seventh grade when like yeah. WCW got really, really hot with like the NWO angle. And uh -huh. everybody in school was talking about it every day. And I was like, I wasn't really into it until. So like people were talking about it, talking about it. I'm just like, what's going on here? Explain this to me. And people were just like, get out of here loser you know so i had to start watching it just to kind of kind of keep up that was that was that was a big moment i think i mean like i know we plan on talking a little bit about like you know the zelina maxwell thing in like labor and wrestling right but like in Zelina the back Vega. of my head is what i say i sit there and talk about it like that's that's like labor driven action too right mm -hmm. like an uncompetitive market becoming a competitive market <laughs> yeah. and like right two millionaires like dueling with each other over how much you're gonna to spend to get talent you know yeah ted turner versus vince mcmahon just in a duel to the death over like tv ratings and pay-per-view buy rates right <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, yeah, like, like when, like that was when the hooks really got put in, like the WCW, like NWO, and then like the Attitude Era after that with like Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Great yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was. No, I was, I was a WC guy during that time. WCW guy during that time. I was very, I was resistant to WWF. Now WWE. Yeah. I was very resistant. I wasn't a McMahon guy. I felt like I had this loyalty to, to WCW and everything, and. When they lost the wrestling wars, it was it was a hard one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I think I think I kind of like flipped sides, like somewhere in the middle, just because like WCW had become so cringe and unwatchable. <laughs> said, too Maybe much that's loyalty. just me being mean. It was real to me. It was it real. Was Anyway, so yeah, we wanted. I also wanted to kind of bring up some news that that recently came up, and this is something that's come up several times on the show. We talked about it with our friend Diana. We also talked about this a little bit with Aubrey uh, a couple of weeks ago on this show. Uh, Aubrey Citizen, um, uh, sort of like the idea of unions in wrestling, uh, and specifically, it comes up with uh, Zelina Vega. Uh, whose real name, I believe, is Thea Trinidad, uh, who was recently fired from WWE, uh, after, like, 10 minutes after... And, you know, the, the specifics of, like, what the reasoning for a fire and might not have been connected uh, to, to her posting about this, but she said, like, 10 minutes before, or, like, an hour before she was released from WWE, she posted, like, I support wrestlers unionizing... <laughs> <laughs> and you know that that's a really important and critical thing and and you know what what did you make of that whole situation it, it was you 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 so rarely see like those those loud outspoken acts like that you uh -huh. know it's so 
it was funny because like I'm not on Twitter all the time, but I was on right at that moment, right? And how quickly things can go around. And that got retweeted. I saw it. I was like, oh hell yeah, Zelina, let's go. This let's is go. <laughs> and then like within like real time, the the, the follow-up tweet of she's been let go comes out there from WWE. And just to to watch in real time the that one of the, if not like the most anti-union companies in the country, mm-hmm. anti-labor, you know, organizations in the country. Um, for them to let go over and shoot back that quickly in real time, it was, I think, I mean, it's horrible for, for her in some ways or mm-hmm. most ways, but like, I, I wonder just how, how much of a moment that'll kind of like stick with a lot of people actually having experienced it and like, in real time and kind of like Twitter age, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like where people actually like saw, like not a lot of people see union busting. You hear stories, but you can always be like, well, it's not that bad. But to literally like be able to see it play off in real time on Twitter like that, like that's probably got to be like, it'll probably stick with a lot of people for a long time of like a really like seminal moment of like online media meeting like labor organization or labor rights for individual workers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you kind of, like, have to speculate a little bit about it, too. Like, did she know it was coming, and then she posted that kind of, like, on a, like to set the bridge, like, on fire as she's walking out, or she's getting kicked out, or whatever? Because I know there was a lot of heat, a lot of, like, um, attention given to the fact that she has a really uh, highly viewed Twitch channel, and she has, like, a lot of, gets a lot of income and money from that. And, mm-hmm. you know, WBE while and this is one of the most like messed up parts about how they operate they technically keep their uh workers as they they classified as independent contractors and they have to pay for pretty much their travel their medical expenses everything that's everything essentially associated with the work that they do they gotta buy their own gear you know and um and uh wb is also at the same time manage tries to like micromanage these people's entire lives and tells them when to be where and essentially how to do their jobs when like that's not an independent contractor at all no, that's total mis- misclassification they've, they've gotten away with i think one of like i mean it it really should serve as a model to like uber lyft and anyone else that really wants to stretch the definition of independent contractors <laughs> yeah because they've gotten away with they've gotten away with pouring over like a really old model and just issuing government regulation as much as they possibly could like it there's no possible way what they do for their talent is could ever be considered independent contract work but what what so i guess to, to kind of like jump in a little bit on this because you might know a bit more about this than i do like what specifically uh does wwe kind of at least as far as you know because i mean uh as far as you know like like what is inappropriate about the way that they structure these contracts and deals i mean there's like things like no compete like you can only work for wwe and like like stuff like that is that something that would make somebody like not an independent contractor or or like in most cases not be an independent contractor as well i mean it it's it's hard to hit that litmus like it's hard to get like a 100 percent like black and white litmus it's almost Mm -hmm. kind of the idea of an independent contractor, like I, my background was in, in writing and in journalism, right? Mm-hmm. So I was an independent contractor for a while myself as I didn't write for a single newspaper on salary, but there are a couple newspapers where I'd signed agreements with it. Hey, you know, I'll pop, I'll write articles for you on these different topics. And then when these articles get published, you'll pay me for it. 
But outside of that, you don't owe me anything. You're paying me for this specific service. Mm -hmm. And so as an independent contractor, you're coming in to do a specific service for a, under specific guidelines. Now they can be less strict or more strict depending on where you're going. But at a certain point when all of your product goes through a single individual you know, company and they have a lot of control over like your ability to do work exclusively, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's like an indefinite period of time, it really starts to become less and less an independent contract situation. Um, I think they've, I mean, like historically, like, I mean, you probably know, but for, for like listeners, um, you know, wrestling, you didn't always have like these two big companies, right? Or one big company, I should say. It was a lot of like small, independent mom and pop shows, regions all across the country. And so in that case, independent contract style work where they weren't just like paying people like a few bucks under the table, right? Mm -hmm. Or in this line of work where promoters are incredibly like exploitative, like when wrestlers would get paid, um, you would tend to go territory to territory. So like back in the day with like, you know, Andre the Giant early on, or I'm from Pittsburgh area, like Bruno San Martino was our guy, um, <laughs> you know, when they would travel territory to territory, you'd wrestle some there, you'd wrestle some here, you could go around different places. So basically like, like like localized monopolies, essentially. Nobody else was even doing wrestling other than like this affiliate of the NWA, right? Mm -hmm. You only had like, you had a couple different ones in the South, a couple different ones in the Northeast, the Midwest. Mm -hmm. W, at the time it was, you know, I'm going to get the name wrong, but I know for a while it was WWWF. Um, they were like yeah. known as the New York one. There was studio wrestling in Pittsburgh. There yeah, was Memphis, like Florida had a territory. They had like Oregon and they had Canadian territories, Japan. Like like it was everywhere. Like the national, yep. like like digging in. So the National Wrestling Alliance was sort of like this, yeah. uh, this broker of this. They were the ones that sort of like carved up the U.S. and Mexico and parts of Japan and basically mm -hmm. said, you control here, you control there. It's very, very mafia stuff. <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much, right? It really is. Um, but no, and then they all had their own distinct styles. It was all very, yeah. it was all very regional. It was all very specific. You, you, you saw all kinds of different types of storytelling. I mean, you could never... It was always sexist and racist to a certain degree. The nationalism you could never get away from. But sure. At its core, when you got past the worst parts of it, there was usually some type of decent tale or some type of moral tale. Somewhere. Or relatable tale at the very least. But um, WWWF started to be really mm -hmm. the, the first company, the New York, you know. Territory, region, yeah. The first that really started to go after all the other regions and gobble them up and make it ultra competitive. And that was, that was Vince McMahon senior Vince mm -hmm. McMahon. Does he go, I don't know if he goes by junior, but he is Vince McMahon junior. Right. Uh, yeah. Vince, I think like it's like middle name. They have different middle names or whatever. Vincent K McMahon. <laughs> yeah. He's an asshole either way. Yeah. Oh um, my God. <laughs> oh my but, God. I mean, they, they started really, uh, you know, an aggressive, you know, there were territory wars over mm -hmm. who would really win all these competitions. And mm -hmm. they went very hard on television, very hard on encroaching in the other territories. Very, I mean, they're very American capitalists. They went at their competition, they mm -hmm. beat their competition. And over after some time, really, you know, 
WWF was, they changed the name to WWF. Mm-hmm. Um, they started to really try to get these, you know, long-term national characters that were mm-hmm. exclusively WWF. So like Bruno Andre, San Martino, comes Bruno first champion. champion, right? But as that went, you lost, you know, these wrestlers sometimes would go to Japan too. They would go to Europe sometimes too. All this starts to go away. And then the one big dog in town who can actually pay, who can actually, you know, WWF was successful. Mm-hmm. They could fit. They, they fit 90 to 100,000 people in for a couple events. Yeah, like, Madison Square you Garden. Pack, you could pack stadiums. You could get paid. So this is where you came in. You, they still were signing people to, like, like, some people would get these lucrative contracts. Mm-hmm. But pretty much everyone, for the most part, was independent contractors. So your payroll taxes, and that's all coming out of your pay later. Your employers are covering it, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, at the, it merges away over this period of time from this, like, regional thing where performers travel and ply their wares to one big dog. Mm-hmm. But they never change the employment mechanism. They've right. always maintained that employment. They literally listed on their website somewhere. They explain that they're independent contractors, and then they talk about it like like it's movie stars and acting in the same way. Which like, they might, have a, they have the Screen Actors Guild, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Get these wrestlers SAG cards, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's SAG after seems like it would make the most sense to organize WWE, but yeah, I've also heard that they could they could potentially organize with like uh with uh like stuntmen. I guess that would be with uh SAG after. I'm not exactly sure the specifics, but like stuntmen unions, they could be mm-hmm. a part of that because they do a lot, a lot of crazy stunts, you know. But it, there's such a it's such like an individualistic individualistic and like hyper competitive culture that mm-hmm. those, those campaigns get killed. I think. Have you ever heard Jesse Ventura talk about when he tried to do a union drive at WWE? I have, but let's talk about it. So yeah. I, I, I love this story because like Jesse Ventura, for those who you don't know, is like one of the most amazing characters in the history of the world. Like his wrestling character is much less ridiculous than his actual <laughs> his actual personality. I, it's funny because like for, you know, for Jesse, he was Jesse the Body Ventura. For everyone listening, probably know who he is, but yeah, big movie was, star even like that. Like well, that spoilers, no spoilers. No, no spoilers. He's in Predator. No yeah, he, well, I meant I meant to say like the end of the story, but uh, anyway, so Jesse Ventura tried to start a union in WWE. <laughs> yeah, Je- Jesse was like one of the first people to really like really fight hard over a lot of his like contractual rights and how much money he should be getting, right? Yeah. I mean, he was a performer in like the late 70s, early 80s. He transitioned over to commentary. Yeah, from like uh, Minnesota, um, even like like Midwest or something, huh? Yeah. Or AWA, maybe? I'm not exactly sure. I, I'm honestly not sure myself mm-hmm. either. I just, I remember him growing up. He was a great heel commentator. He was a great oh, guy. my God. Oh, with WWE, like him and Gorilla Monsoon, just like you kiss your fingers. It was so good. It was the model because he would always, he would always like, he would always moralize it and justify it. Like it was that he was never just bad for the sake of being bad, but he was like vain and egotistical. And it was very much like, it was just, it was just trimming the lot. Like it was sitting on like, I don't know, like Dungeons and Dragons. You have all those different types of alignments, right? (laughs) Yeah. He was was just evil, but like, he would show his work. He would, (laughs) 
as a teacher, like 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 part of part of, I'm a teacher myself, and like as part of your grade in math is that you have to like show how you got the answer to whatever. And if you didn't write that down, you lose a little bit of credit. <laughs> you know, like yeah. he would go and we were just like, well, you know, um, I hate Hulk Hogan, but because he's a glory hog and he's only out for himself or whatever. You know? Yeah, <laughs> justified it. You're like, <laughs> which is like the most true thing possible. In like your seven-year-old brain, you're listening to him and you're like, he's kind of right, but you don't want him to be right. So you're like, no, he's a bad guy. Yeah, that's like, and, and that's the thing that makes, like, like that's the stuff that actually cuts you. That's like the actual stuff. Like, oh no, this guy that I hate is like the worst per. It's like the meme of the like the worst person you know made a great point. <laughs> it's one of those things that like, like as an adult, I went back and like watched some of those things I remember now, like, you, you listen to him have this developed character over this whole time. And then there was some point where his, his co-commentator was Gorilla Monsoon, who was a retired wrestler, but it was always good guy, sweet baby face, you know, yeah. never, always by the rules, always, always rooting for the good guys. And they would always argue all the time. But one time some wrestler got in Gorilla's face and like this part of the show, like Jesse, the buddy's body stood up for him, like the bad guy, like, <laughs> And it still felt like it was right in character. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like it, was it the worked. Jerk, but it was like it was your friend who was the jerk, and it could, <laughs> I don't know. It always. Yeah, somebody like that like that. like and, and and I think that was like one of the interesting things is like they would not like like to get into the specifics of the relationship between Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura, like, like they would actually like engage in, in, like they would actually have like some kind of like a loose common ground for we're both here for a reason and we're not at gunpoint, yes. you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's what's like, so, I mean, it's still around that time. And even now still like, you know, wrestling, you know, is quote unquote fake to that degree, but like, different different performers have different levels of skill and improvisation mm -hmm. and stuff and like you know jesse to to the point of his post wrestling career jesse was always still i think a little bit more creative and a little bit smarter right and a little bit oh, yeah. more thinking on his feet than the average wrestler so, like, a genius i mean like <laughs> yeah so he has that distinct personality that is how he became the governor of minnesota right, <laughs> right. like he was able to he has a distinct enough person like say for Say what you will about him. Donald Trump has a distinct personality, right? That's mm -hmm. almost probably why he got in, was able to do wrestling as well. Like, worst human being, scumbag, hate the man, distinct personality. You could, you can see why that guy won an election. The same thing with, like, Jesse. You could see why. Mm -hmm. But his brain, when he was in the, like, like we are going to mention, um, he started to realize that like he was he was getting exploited at the workplace mm -hmm. like that's and that's almost the start of any union like drive. a base level of class consciousness almost you know like at least on an individual level not based off of like and again like i'm not trying to discourage anybody from reading or whatever but like <laughs> i always like to joke with people i like learned how i learned like how to i, I learned how to basically think about my relationship to work from my boss because it's just a, a wow. fundamentally abusive relationship <laughs> like even in better circumstances than wrestling <laughs> no, that, i don't mean I to mean, be like all school of hard knocks or whatever but you know what i mean no it's i mean it's a it's a good point because it's funny because it's like and i think i, I mean it, it's just amazing i mean i don't know it's not amazing it, it's actually pretty normal but like the, the story he tells right is like when you think like to your point like 
he's he's realizing they're getting screwed and he hops up in the locker room and he makes a speech to the wrestlers we need a union and somebody they find out later who but somebody goes to mcmahon dropping the dime <laughs> rats out that, that ventura is trying to organize the wrestlers into a union but like ventura ventura when he tells the story he's like I said to McMahon, McMahon, it doesn't have to be like an oppositional thing. Like none of us have health insurance or life insurance, mm-hmm. right? And if we all just pull together, we could just purchase on our own as a united organization, like group health insurance for a cheaper price. Yeah, we could figure like, it out. That that simple of an appeal. It's amazing too. Is that simple of an appeal? That's small of an appeal, but there is that that class awareness that we're all in the same place. We're all doing this job that that we're all taking how much in steroids, bruising ourselves, like beating ourselves up. And we're not even given health insurance for this. Actually, we have to pay our own social security and and Mm -hmm. Medicare every year, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, like wrestling is a brutal, brutal job. I mean, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, glitz and glamour and and you know whatever like fame and stardom for the people at the top but i mean there's so many people like even that work for wwe that you know basically wrestle the equivalent of a high school gymnasium <laughs> in yeah. front of 50 people you know like smashing their skull for that you know <laughs> for like yeah. 100 bucks i mean maybe that's not maybe that wouldn't be with wwf but uh but maybe that that maybe the, the, the difference is that they pay, I guess, at least more money than than other places can because they only run larger shows. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a little bit, uh, I'm 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 not being accurate, perhaps. But, eh, but my, I mean, mm-hmm. WWF pays like like you said. I mean, they pay when you, they put the number. I could, I could find it. They put the numbers out there recently. But like there was a the new people that were getting hired at like their developmental territory recently mm-hmm. where they developed their wrestlers were getting like lower five figures, right? Lower mm-hmm. mid five figures, but that's still a WWF contract. Mm-hmm. The big guys and like this, this kind of comes after, um, you know, the, the wrestling wars, mm-hmm. WCW, WWF, like big, a lot of the bigger names like John Cena might get a guaranteed contract with a set amount of money. You're going to get this, this, this. But for the most part, these people are getting the, the majority of their money by the gate. So if yeah. you perform at a, at a show or on TV, you get money. If you're on a pay-per-view, you get money. If they sell one of your T-shirts, depending on how many of your shirts they sell, you get a portion of the T-shirts because WWF's like basically a glorified T-shirt company at this point. Yeah, it's a merch <laughs> company that has wrestling. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, But it really is like there's, that, there's not much security, right? Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, when McMahon caught caught Ventura, they they killed that. Mm-hmm. Um, he killed the drive, and Ventura left eventually to go to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But like, it was identifying that there wasn't this level of security. Mm-hmm. And I think you know you know the you know the, the follow up piece on that too, right? Uh, on Ventura, on the yeah, on who ratted him out? Yeah, it was Hogan. It was Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Drop the dime. Calling the boss and sucking up and saying, "Hey, these guys are trying to start a union." <laughs> like, like 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 that so so essentially he was right all along mm-hmm. <laughs> commentary he was, he was suing he was suing wwf because they were using his likeness and he wasn't getting the amount of royalties he wanted like this is mm-hmm. something most of these wrestlers weren't doing right they were yeah. just like In, they, intellectual they property a little bit of money. oh my god 
let's get into that yeah. too, actually, for a minute, because like the other part about how a lot of this works more more recently than I suppose maybe not maybe maybe it goes all the way back, but definitely mm-hmm. now. Um, essentially when people go to, if they have a name either in like Japan or on the indie circuit or somewhere else, they make a name for themselves. They go to WWE, they can either keep that name or they don't, but WWE, if they don't have, if they don't have like the intellectual property rights to that name, the WWE will just like buy it (laughs) and just say like, this is ours. We own your name now. (laughs) And if you go anywhere and, and, and like wrestle by that name, we will sue you, and we have a very, very extremely like well-funded legal department. <laughs> yep, and a lot. Of, I mean, early a lot of that was like making these characters they wanted the rights to, right? Like Razor Ramon. Mm-hmm, yeah, was, was was who he was, but then he got to wrestle by his real name, Scott Hall, as he went elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Those those all became. You're right. Like it is. It's a very. It's a well thought out trademarking and marketing mm-hmm. department. I mean, it wasn't until recently that um, they they dropped their rights to, to Cody Rhodes' name. Um, really? Yeah, that happened like that had to happen within the last like month or two. Like they were they were fighting over the trademark to Cody Rhodes. And Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, by the way, is the son of like a legendary, essentially like Southern wrestler named Dusty Rhodes for the audience. Um, and he's part of like essentially that that family. Like he's got a brother, Dustin Rhodes. His dad is Dusty Rhodes. He's Cody Rhodes. And it's, and and WWE tried to sort of claim this name that has previously existed. That, that essentially a, a legacy tried to like claim a legacy yeah. by putting a copyright on it. <laughs> actually, there it goes. Yeah, he they canceled this actually about like three four weeks ago. So, yeah, like, he had been a WWE wrestler from when he started. He eventually got disillusioned and left, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now he runs, like, the biggest competitor promotion, AEW. Yeah. But he's never had – he's been in a trademark dispute over his literal name, Cody Rhodes. Like, <laughs> WWF held, WWE held on to that trademark. Yeah. Just – I mean, right? He did all this stuff, but he always would go under – slightly different names and mm-hmm. the american nightmare yeah. or whatever yeah. so he, the he only way he could escape it was when he was in japan it's it's some of the most it's like some of the most ridiculously like fuel fuel stuff it, it's like mm-hmm. feudal right like you don't even have like the right to your to perform as you mm-hmm. after you once you leave Oh, the yeah. name that your family performs under. Like, seriously. Like, right. I don't know. Like, I don't know. That, that, that's, that is banana stuff to me. That's just really, really wild. It is. It's, and it's all, and it's in this, like, Ventura would always talk about this, too. Like, because they live in this world, like, because I think he was going to, he was running for Senate, and he said he was going to bring this up. And I'm, I'm glad Andrew Yang has been popularizing th- this whole thing recently, but because they have this this weird little angle that they've been able to hold on to um, for for you know 40 years now where they're able to classify most of their talent in these these weird ways they get the angle into these exploitative contracts that and being the biggest show in town it's to your point like there's these smaller promotions there's people wrestling in gyms for 35 mm-hmm. bucks a night you get into the that that idea that there's a surplus of talent out there. Mm-hmm. You don't want to work here. Good luck. Go somewhere else. 
yeah not much of a, for a while until a competitor recently came up there, there wasn't another market in, in wrestling in america where you could you know make a living nearly at the level of what you could at wwe mm-hmm. and you know it's really funny as well um well it's not funny it's actually very horrible uh, there was a there was a over the summer. Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit off 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 the air. But this actually very horrible like rash of uh, people coming out and explaining their stories of abuse that they've faced largely by like male male wrestlers in the in the world in the in the wrestling world. And one of the thing, including one of our former guests, by the way. Um, anyway, um, is a, is a, he was a perpetrator, not a victim, to be clear. Um, but anyway, I don't know if I want to ask, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Um, anyway, uh, in a world where you have like union representation and base level, like protections for workers an environment where, where these, these horrible abuses can happen is of course still possible, but, but mm-hmm. the ability for someone to, you know, to step up and, and, and essentially, say hey this is happening to me it's messed up is more much more likely to happen if you are not like if you if you have a baseline like level of expectations of safety between other workers on the job you know so so like it's it's literally a question of whether or not like unions uh, are essentially very very good for essentially protecting workers from that kind of abuse well it was um it's interesting because like I, I mean a lot of these a lot of these it's hard to get like a union going in most of these places because there's not a lot of stability most of these places shut down as quickly as they open up right and so like those things some of these are so temporary that you know it, it's hard to get that drive going in such like a and and it's true in a lot of these other places other than wwf wwe a lot of these other places are kind of true independent contractor areas where it is like a hyper masculine environment of that Mm -hmm. like that very old toxic style masculinity right and like a lot of those values the the wrestlers that go higher and higher and higher they kind of stick to Mm -hmm. when you get to the bigger places like a wwe where there should be an environment Mm -hmm. of of being able to have labor organization the 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 first place is the the rules are the, the government has been so ineffective at regulating them mm-hmm. that it's created this this set where like it's i mean they really feel like they are linda mcmahon is the head of small business um the FSBA, yeah yeah right mm-hmm. i mean they 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 regulate labor themselves at this point so what what fear do they have you know yeah like what fear do they have that someone's going to rewrite these rules and it's not, you know, so none, anyway. zero, absolutely. What yeah. would, why would they have to fear their themselves? All it does essentially is empower their own HR department to make workers more precarious. They've, they've never been punished for any of this stuff. I, I, I'll be interested to see. I wonder if like anybody, like, I don't know, like Matt Brunig always like randomly files unfair labor practices on people mm-hmm. on Twitter. Like, I wonder if anybody filed a ULP for, the Zelina Vega incident, because it's like such a clear, an unfair labor practice for anyone listening is like labor law in America is, is on an, on an international scale, really weak. But one of the main enforcement mechanisms in American labor law is 
something called an unfair labor practice where you violate certain rules and labor law. And a lot of them are intimidation, retaliation, coercion, those types of things. And so like usually um, if you're going to, if you're in the union and you're not doing something like go on strike or whatever, mm-hmm. more often than not, like, you know, you're more often than strikes and things like that, you're filing little charges and sometimes to get, to get fixes or remedies mm-hmm. we call them. Now, most of the time you just get brought back to status quo or made even, mm-hmm. but um, in a case like what happened to, you know, Zelina Vega, we're going to talk about it. It is like such a clear it is like a very textbook example of what should be a violation an unfair practice. Um, but it's the type of thing that businesses can go about with complete impunity mm-hmm. and WWE probably feels more protected than anybody else in the world right now at being able to dodge stuff like this. Yeah. So let's get into it. So like what exactly about this sort of like Vegas situation that you saw that happened? Like, so, so I guess, if you could sort of like lay out some of the particulars as you understand them and like what's so messed up about this situation. <laughs> yeah. So for background for folks, um, so Vega, right, is uh, she's been a performer at WWE for a few years. She'd been in a few other promotions before that. Great so worker, she, by the way. I mean, like just yeah. to, to, to be, well, Sam decided to wreck the show, but uh, yeah, yeah, go on. <laughs> um. No, she um, she's a good performer. Not that um, it matters, she, but yeah, she's a, a manager sometimes too, and mm-hmm. she has the personality to do that. Um, so she's been around for a few years. She's not at the top of the billing, but mm-hmm. she was recognizable to audiences. If you said who that was, wrestling fans would recognize who she was. So mm-hmm. there's she's in that middle area, lower middle area, maybe. Sure. I would say. So um, big enough to have like like tens of thousands of Twitch followers, though. <laughs> Well, I mean, and that's this is this is the core here. It mm-hmm. Is it's are how much of an independent contractor are you? What free uh, like free ability do you have to do stuff outside of wrestling? Mm-hmm. So Zelina was one of a handful of wrestlers that started to 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 use some of these outside of WWE platforms to make money. Um, used used Cameo, mm, yeah, used Twitch, and OnlyFans. the one that. Um, after they got rid of her, the, the one that they've been using as the reason for firing her is I believe she had an OnlyFans account. Mm-hmm. So that's it's 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 um it's the it's the slut shaming rouse what they want. Yeah. Um. So any so anyways so Zelina and I mean Zelina's married so her and her also wrestler husband. Um, what the heck's his name? His he, name's Alistair Black. He's, he's formerly known yeah. as Tommy End on the uh, indie circuit. He's fantastic, too, I think. I mean, I think he's really good, just as a non-related aside, I suppose. No, I mean, I mean, it is. it does actually, I mean, it matters, too, right? Because they're sharing, mm-hmm. as a married couple who are both talented wrestlers, they shared a Twitch account. Mm-hmm. They got a ton of subscribers, like you mentioned. Um, and between that and other things, it turned out that uh, it, it's come out recently that I guess she was making more money off of this outside of wrestling stuff than she was on her WWE contract. Yeah. And because we're in a COVID environment, they weren't, they weren't, they're not doing the same typical type of travel and everything. So you're not getting that same residual income. Yeah. They got more time so, to do it. They got more time to do. And, and you're not getting gates. Like you were saying earlier, like a lot of these, yeah. a lot of these, um, uh, contracts are based off of gates like the way that and this is this is like i talked a little bit about this with um 
with with Diana on the show, um, like very early on in the COVID situation. <laughs> this is maybe taking a little bit of a walk, but they would have like um, essentially talent, like workers uh, who were like in their developmental territory, uh, who would be like a very bad audience, honestly, if you want to like, but the, they would essentially try and do the thing that people do at wrestling shows. They would clap, they would cheer, they would do all this stuff. And it was like the most awkward thing that you had ever seen in your entire life. And what they ended up doing, and, and I imagine that they were paid, maybe they weren't, but like essentially what happened is they got wiped off the board and they just put up a bunch of video screens. <laughs> people would be able to like, like be on, like the audience is now just a bunch of people on Zoom. <laughs> It's it, it's been so it's been so weird. It, it, the little bit I've watched the wrestling in this pandemic and everything like it, it's been so weird. The mass Zoom screens and everything. It's it's surreal. It's like you're watching. Um, I don't know. It's like you watch like it's, it's, it's like post-apocalyptic wrestling. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. It's like it's like the Thunderdome or something. They call it, yeah they call it the Thunderdome. Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean yeah, to get like yeah, off the topic, but like. But, but essentially, there's no gates now. They don't get any gate money. So that money that's part of these, especially the, the, the lower low contract, it's also part of incentives of larger contracts, is not there. So a, a lot of these wrestlers were doing things like Twitch. Mm-hmm. A lot of wrestlers were. Mm-hmm. And McMahon set out, Vince McMahon, WWE owner still, set out a mandate that wrestlers weren't allowed to use Twitch, weren't allowed to use any of these third-party platforms to mm-hmm. make any residual income. And so she, you know, was one of the last people to stop doing it if she had. I don't, I think if her, I think she went like silent on it for a little while, but I think she was like, she went past the deadline for a little bit because she was, she was one of the people, I guess, behind the scenes that was very outspoken against this because again, it was, you're losing over half of your income. Yeah. But you're supposed to be an independent contractor. So, you know, how much, how much say do you as a worker you know, in this independent contract situation have over, over your labor and your likeness when the, the boss who is not your boss can dictate, no, these, these non-wrestling forms of income you can't do and you can't monetize. Exactly. So they're basically controlling you, not only on the time that you're contracted for they're, they're owning your entire life. Like, like they want all of it. They want basically, in a way, it's almost like you're selling, like you're selling your actual soul. Yeah. <laughs> On a contract. And so, like you said, like at the start, like this dispute's happening, and she's probably on her way out one way or the other. Yeah. And she probably got fired right before that tweet came out, but she yeah. just put that tweet out, and they and formalizing it for what it was worth mm-hmm. on the internet. I at the same time, like within ten minutes. We've really we've uh, reached an agreement to let her go. She just tweets out, "I support unionization." Three <laughs> words, and within ten minutes, they they announced that she was gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just like dropped and, her like a hot potato. Now, I mean, let's say she technically wasn't gone, and mm-hmm. let's say you know she is doing a union driver. She's right here saying, "I support unionization." Um, that you know for the employer to let go of the or so rapidly after that mm-hmm. um it seems like a clear you know retaliation for supporting the union drive mm-hmm. and firing somebody who supports the union is one of those illegal acts like mm-hmm. um a similar case just as an example was um 
it was like I think it was a year or two ago. Uh, Barstool Sports, that that owner Dave Portnoy, likes to shoot his mouth a lot. And whether it was in jest or not, he put out a tweet that said, "Like any of my employees who try to unionize, I will ruthlessly crush the drive." Mm-hmm. And the guy I mentioned earlier, Brunig, had had filed an unfair labor practice with against him, uh, of charge with the National Labor Relations Board, and. Portnoy legally had to apologize and put notices up in the workplace that they would not prevent unionization and they would not intimidate anybody. But like just that tweet alone, that constituted an unfair practice. So Mm -hmm. what happened to Vega was pretty clearly, at least from my eyes, um, employer retaliation. Yeah. Whether, whether, and you know, this kind of stuff, you've seen it before. You're like, you're not a noob to this world. No, <laughs> unfortunately, no. But it, it's it's just, it's really common, and like the best she could theoretically get was, I mean, I mean, it's hard on her because like she's an independent contractor. So if she were an employee, um, there's a lot more she could get back in terms of like restoration of her job and back pay and stuff. With independent contractors, you can get some of that, but not at the same level. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, it's more like hitting the employer with the types of things of letting like, I guess it's harder because technically by the law right now, they don't have a full-time staff to, to, to unionize. Mm-hmm. And it's one of these more um, SAG after style unionization efforts. It would have to be, which is mm-hmm. again, its own, its own uh, set of tricks and standards. Well, and, and so I guess one of the things that I wanted to talk about too, especially like, as we as we kind of like wind down a little bit is what would um like a wrestling wrestlers union look like especially like if they do stay on as contract i mean like contractors unionized too you know like what would that look like in this sort of like world if things if like labor laws for specifically wrestlers and their classification doesn't change like is this possible could there be like a a critical capacity of essentially workers throughout wrestling it can't just be wwe i guess maybe it would but sort of like a like a business-wide kind of like uh i guess solidarity look like and like that's a big question so like i don't i don't expect capital v capital a answer <laughs> but like i don't know just kind of like 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 messy messily like 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 thinking about it for a minute it, it, it well i mean it's it like a little bit of the building trades or something right like hiring halls and stuff yeah i i mean like what i guess what stands out about it is like what happens with wwe is so blatant and then yeah. to like a, like even like just the wellness of the, the Vega thing for like one more second. Like, yeah, the, the idea that the reasons for her getting fired are so transparent, whether it's the unionization or her wanting to have like some level of, of control over her likeness. But what their claim was, they haven't mentioned Twitch or anything like that where she, where she got to derive most of her income. But the only thing they've really leaked out and floated was her OnlyFans account. Like, did, mm-hmm. like, right? Like, the most that, provocative it, it really thing. Is, yeah. Like, it, that, and for if you don't know OnlyFans, it's it's a subscription adult only style thing where you can subscribe to content like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but God fact, bless. Like m- most people don't. I didn't even know she had one, right? But everyone associated the Twitch piece, and that was the biggest piece that she was putting out there. But they felt like 
you could you could smear her enough that like that was the type of thing and that that tends to go with these types of circuits that when somebody leaves it's their damager for some reason or they're doing something yeah there's a pr campaign to smear them always and like with wwe that's when you talk about those labor rights a lot of these like individual workers want and you start to see a few uh, some people get a little bit more open about this on like nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there are some wrestlers who get it a little bit more and speak about it a little bit more. Cody talked about but it like, a little bit before that? before he before he was like before Cody kind of became like a boss in AEW. He was talking about unionizing workers a little bit. He did, and I mean this this rival company AEW is you know Cody Rhodes was the and the Young Bucks a tag team were like mm-hmm. the drivers with. Um, um, Kenny Tony Omega, Khan. yeah, Tony Khan, the, the the billionaire son of uh, whoever from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know these people. It's they. It's funny. They own my favorite soccer team too in England. They they must have a lot of. What they team? have a lot of money, a lot of free time. Um, what team? But like when they they formed this, they very much did it that like this is going to be a wrestler run organization, which is kind of like a worker run organization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and compared to they they've started to pull a lot of talent from wwe um they can't compete financially or anything right now but no. like they don't what we always say at least what we always talk about organizing new like workplaces is like the best the best way to organize like workers is having a bad boss and if you have a good boss like mm-hmm. the the conditions and the incentives to unionize aren't there Mm-hmm. And what you you're starting to see more at AEW is like it, it makes it look like a worker's paradise because the, the litany of complaints you'll get from the people that leave tend to be creative control, like the yeah. ability to like express yourself more, or the time off needed, right, or like the abuse on your body, um, and, and it can depend on who you are, what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, but the major incentives that stick in at WWE are mm-hmm. the, the the money and um, the name recognition, mm-hmm. really. Um, and when you look at what WWE could do better, I mean, it really is like, it wouldn't take a heck of a lot for them to loosen some strings and loosen some, um, some of the stuff they put on these, some of the burdens they put on these wrestlers, just like a union victory for wrestlers at WWE would be allowing them to Twitch stream on the side again. Yeah. Just a rise in their working standards, basically like that, that, that would be a win. Yeah. Uh, having ha- having them recognized as employees, so their payroll taxes would be covered every year. Right, like, and they get health thing. insurance. It, it it's like really like it's not like the the ability to walk off the job every day that, that's at the heart of these things, but it's sometimes these these little things that can like at the end of the day make a big difference for workers. So mm-hmm. whether they get a union or not, like I think it, it, it's just going to take. Whether it's the government that steps in at some point to regulate them a little bit, knock on wood, with the new um, National Labor Relations Board heads coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, soon, I Fingers hope. Fingers crossed on that one. Right. Um, I, I think it, it, it doesn't take a heck of a lot to be, quote-unquote, revolutionary to people in wrestling. It's just, it really is like those those basic things we take for granted, like, Look at your pay. Look at your paycheck tomorrow. See how much payroll taxes are taken out of your paycheck. Then add that as a percentage of what like your employer you should be covering to a certain degree. But in what these cases, you know, every single one of these wrestlers has to cover that at the end of the year, along mm-hmm. with their own health insurance, along with their own like every other type of insurance, and pretty much no days off if you want to earn a paycheck. 
Yeah. And the thing that really, like, I think, like, messes with people's, like, calculus and analysis surrounding these things is, especially with WWE, like, the fact that, the, like, wow, I was on WrestleMania, or I could be on WrestleMania, I could live the dream that I, like, like wanted to do, like, since I was a little kid, and, like, the guys that are, the guys and gals and the non-binary pals that are, that are, that are doing this kind of work, you know, they're, they're gonna, I mean, like, look, wrestlers are workers, and, like, like, they're people and like they are um they're they have all the f same kind of like you know foibles that we have and like the fact that they they want to like live this this sort of dream is not a not their it's not a problem or anything like that right. it's not anything that's their fault they're doing the thing that they dreamed about doing since they were a kid you know <laughs> but i mean like the, no, the, the, I... the basics of it all is 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 like like what are the like like, like you should not have to go through absolute hell to to make that happen you know like like dreams should not be so difficult to attain or so like like expensive in terms of like um price in not just the like you know the the money sense but like in the 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 the, the toll that it takes on the, the impacting your entire life you know like yeah. like like things should be good for people <laughs> When people get hurt badly, oh my god, they hurt like what this industry demands of them is like it. It's, I mean, you go look at the death rates for so many of these people. Who oh, you remember the mid 2000s when it was seemed like there was a, a wrestler a week, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, like Eddie Guerrero, and then then you know, like Christ's sake, the Chris Benoit, like double murder suicide right. of him and his family, just good lord. But like, these people were like sitting there, like you know, getting it. Like they banned for the most part now, like headshots with chairs. But these people mm -hmm. used to just go on TV. They've been injecting themselves with like roids regularly to have mm -hmm. the correct look. I mean, they shave their bodies, all their body hair constantly, and self tan and do all this other stuff. But then they they inject themselves with drugs. Mm -hmm. They work like six, seven days a week, mm -hmm. traveling constantly, usually on the road. Um, if you're hurt, you're not getting paid, right? Yeah. So you damage yourself because you, again you don't have a guaranteed salary for the most part you're paid by the, the event mm -hmm. gig so, work basically all, all these really as you think about these things just like these basic things like extra day paid days off things like mm -hmm. that you know that really just aren't standard in wwe or like the small types of things that are just like the revolutionary for just a regular worker at, mm -hmm. at the end of the day Zelina Vega was a regular worker and because she wanted to like get herself ahead a little bit, she, she paid the price for it. And that's the type of thing that just happens in a lot of places in America. Mm -hmm. God bless yeah. us. hundred percent. Yeah. It's messed up. <laughs> God. Sorry. It's, it's like, I have to, I laugh about it a little bit, but I think it's something laughing. Cause I realized you gotta laugh it. about it. I mean, that's one of the things that we do time. on here is that we just, we like, you, you, you it's almost cliche to say like you'll have to keep from crying, but there is a sort of coping mechanism that has to go along with these sorts of things. Cause it is so brutally like just, just, just like a hammer to the head. You got to soften that blow a little bit. you know? Yeah. And you, you want to, you have to remind yourself that you're not the crazy one. It's just, you, you live in this like small crazy thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that was one of the work, like, you know, a lot of our work for the last several months have been like, dealing with workplaces that have had COVID outbreaks and like our members who are a lot of them are essential workers right um like 
instead of the government giving the correct amount of stimulus, they've been getting dragged into work every other day to to put themselves at risk to do things that they should be able to do at home, most of them, right? Mm -hmm. The ones that can't have to work under all these risks. But the same thing for a place like WWE was happening early on. They had mm-hmm. COVID outbreaks. They had they managed it horribly. Like, they managed it horribly. Horribly. They didn't have to do that, but they mm-hmm. did it. They were one of the last people to like they all they they were they, they waited till the last minute to cancel WrestleMania. And I was convinced they were gonna do it. Mm-hmm. I was convinced they were gonna do it. So I'm glad I'm glad Vince proved me wrong there with his great moral code. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, he did it because he wanted to. <laughs> I think you were just worried about the PR. You could care about people. Yeah, lives. exactly. You know what I mean? How many people they wrestled to death in the first place? They don't care. Mm-hmm. No, they, they. So I guess the the like, uh, this quote comes to mind from Stephanie McMahon from 2015, uh, that sort of uh, can kind of like guide us and land us down. But she says, because WWE does a lot of like philanthropy type work too, a lot of things like this. They had a really um, tragic story of a kid with brain cancer, and and, and they do a lot of stuff like Make-A-Wish and all these other things um, that, that looks really good. And in 2015, like right before WrestleMania, Stephanie McMahon tweeted this out. Philanthropy is the future of marketing. It's the way brands are going to win. <laughs> so basically she, she, she went full, like, like mask off is a cliche in a certain sense too. But like the way that PR factors into the, like how these, these, these companies uh, do their calculus of what they're like putting forward is is actually like it's 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 so inhuman <laughs> you know what i mean like like we're gonna mm-hmm. take advantage of of dying children you know and the make-a-wish foundation and create connor's cure and all these other things because that's how brands are gonna win <laughs> you know I, it's absolutely not about any of human any of the human beings yeah and that's that's yeah. alarming. That is like Vulcan. Like that, that is like not not Vulcan. Like uh, what is it? The uh, the uh, Borg talking. You know. I, I some of the there was a there was a young kid named Connor who who had cancer yeah. in in Pittsburgh and he had a big WrestleMania moment. That was it was big news in the area. But I remember adorable, like, adorable kid. Very very sad story for him and his family. And like it is, and it's like I I don't know. At the end of the day, like. I know why, like, I was invested and cared about that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I think you know why you were. You're not wrong to do it either. Yeah. But then, like, Stephanie McMahon knows why she was, and, and it's not necessarily, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It, to, to feel like your emotions are constantly monetized, that's that's brand awareness, I guess. And that's, <laughs> that's it's sick it's sick it's sick you have to to laugh i don't know yeah i've always known that in the back of my head like they push them to do that but like mask off yeah i've always been fine justifying my head a little bit but like when they say it mask off it just makes me kind of want to vomit (laughs) sorry for reading that making you want to vomit there steve It does. It does. Uh, well, anyway, uh, thank you so much for joining us on Good Morning Comrade, Steve Catanese. We're going to have to come and talk a little bit more about, have you back on and talk about a little bit more about uh, some of the service work uh, organizing you do out there. That would be really cool to talk about uh, or whatever, man. You're just like open door anytime you want to come on. 
Oh, for sure. Anytime too. It was awesome to to get the invite to hop on. I was I was very excited. This totally. Wrestlers wrestling in unions. What what better is there? But no, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to to hear the finished product. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'll I'll shoot it to you. Um, you can listen to Good Morning Comrade every Tuesday on WHIV FM. Dot, uh, uh, FM, uh, also at org slash listen. You can get uh, all of our shows uh, at goodmorningcomrade.com. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, tell the people bye, Steve. Bye, Steve. Bye. I love you. Bye, everybody. Bye.